0: On to Championship Sunday, Dave.
1: Yeah, the NFL is in uh, the stretch drive, and Winthrop is not on the road this week, so we've got another in-studio episode.
0: We're glad to be joined by a good friend from Pro Football Talk, Darren Gant. Of course, people from here, Charlotte know him from his uh, Rock Hill Herald days. covered the NFL for a long time and a Hall of Fame voter. He is a Hall of Fame voter. God, you've
1: done a terrible job.
2: I know, right? It's awful. We're the worst. Um, it is... Um, yeah, that's a, a job that no matter what happens, we're going to screw it up one way or another. I mean, there are going to be 10 people, you know, go into a room with 15 names, pick five. The other 10 are also qualified. So everybody who knows that 10, you know, or they're going to go out of their way to tell us exactly how stupid we are and exactly how poor at our jobs we are. Does the first time on the ballot thing matter at all? Not to me, um, because I think you've got to look at um, – each guy individually. I mean, this year we're in a situation where Tony Baselli's is a finalist for the first time. Joe Jacoby is a finalist for the last time. Um, you And you've got to just talk to people who have seen both guys in their prime, which is tough because there aren't but so many of those guys, and try to balance out, you know, hey, was Joe Jacoby better at his time than Tony Baselli was at his time? And I think there is some degree of human element, too, to these guys to say – This is Joe Jacoby's last chance, and he's probably going to get a little more traction in certain voters' minds than he would because this is the last time he's on the modern era ballot compared to having to be considered as a senior.
1: So which of the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Nick Foles, Case Keenan, or Blake Bortles, (laughs) is going to win the Super Bowl? Is there a reason to believe, and I don't think this is a vintage great Patriots team, but is there a reason to think the team with Belichick and Brady is not going to win the Super Bowl at this point?
2: Are we sure they're going to be in the Super Bowl at this point? Of course not. We're not sure. Um, Jacksonville is... You know, it's amazing that they're doing this, winning football games and getting to an AFC championship game without a quarterback at all. I mean, they're effectively running the Wildcat. It's. Our coach
1: r- went 500 at a Big East school. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, all the Syracuse guys are coming out of the woodwork now and remembering Doug Marone But was not there necessarily fondly. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really neat team to watch because they're stacked up so deep with playmakers on defense, and they've got guys who can change games in a blink at every level of that defense. Their their line was good, and they've been collecting all these parts for years. I mean, they've been stacking up young studs in the draft, picking high. And those guys who are coming in as the third and 35th picks and the fourth and the 36th, they've got a lot of talent on that roster. And adding Leonard Fournette this year, basically Bortles-proofed an entire <laughs> roster and allowed him to get to this point. So, I, I think it's impressive. I love watching them play. I mean, they are – um, it's old school football. It's it's run. It's play physical defense, and they're going to get after you. And the fact that they scored forty five points was amazing. Ryan
1: Shazier is good. Yeah,
2: I mean, then and, and that's the shame of it all. But you hate to see what happened to him as a person. But that defense can't recover from missing him. I mean, you before and after that injury, they're just two different defenses, and they couldn't keep up.
0: I know a lot of people in New England, a lot of my friends have been texting me over the last 24 hours concerned about the matchups, but there's also kind of the the ghost of Tom Coughlin, who obviously vanquished... When he was with the Giants, the, when he, the Patriots. That's the,
2: hanging over the whole thing. Yeah. And God love Tom Coughlin because he's exactly the same. He's sitting there. When they won the, the first-round game the other week, Tony Khan sitting there doing the pelvic thrust in the box and Tom's head down very serious, taking notes, wearing the glasses while everybody's celebrating around him. So I, I think it's fantastic. But he's kind of – he's put his stamp on that team in a hurry. And, and the fact that – you know, he's got a little background with these guys and knows how to uh, knows how to beat Bill Belichick. I think that's going to help this week. When the
1: Patriots have the ball, can Jalen Ramsey man up Rob Gronkowski? Is that an option?
2: That's a tough ask for anybody uh, who doesn't happen to be, you know, 235, 240 pounds. I mean, most people try to do it with a safety. Ramsey possibly could. But then what do you do with Brandon Cooks? I mean, that's a guy yeah. who's capable of making enough but plays. But if and you ma- have to pick your place,
1: and you, you got to let Brandon Cooks try to beat you.
2: You do? I'd be curious to see. I mean, Jacksonville is athletic enough at linebacker, and they've got guys on the outside who can turn and run when you see Miles Jack down the field making yeah. plays. Telvin Smith's another one. That's like a poor man's version of Keekly and Thomas Davis. I mean, they're so athletic and can cover so much ground. Uh, I think you're going to be tempted to try to do it that way initially. But I think, you know, Jacksonville has basically just lined up and punched people in the face defensively. They don't do a lot of stuff. It's not a big blitzing defense. It's hard
1: to imagine that it's sustainable, that your defense is going to score every week.
2: Mm, Probably not. But, again, I think what these guys are doing is special. And they've got a collection of talent there that, based on being so bad for so long and – They've spent money previously. They've gone out and, you know, signed free agents like Paul and and who were good, but eh, not difference makers. Calais Campbell coming in this year was a difference maker. That guy is the pro's pro. He is the veteran presence that Tom Coughlin needed in that room for that message to take root, and he's made a tremendous difference. I mean, when I filled out a ballot with awards for the year – I put him down as Defensive Player of the Year because not only did he play well, he lifted that entire organization around him and took them from a good collection of parts to a great defense.
1: Everybody's going to talk about that matchup of the Jacksonville defense and the New England offense, but when you turn it around, you have a sort of leaky Patriots defense, kind of a Mm -hmm. bend-don't-break defense against... Blake Bortles, who is running effectively, I guess he's not turning the ball over as much as we might be used to, but how does Jacksonville score enough points on offense to win?
2: Well, they need to get Mr. Miyagi on Leonard Fournette (laughs) because if he's well, they're going to have a chance to clutch and grab and keep things close in terms of style of offense, but he was a different guy. I think it was like 13 carries, 26 yards in the second half when he came back after the ankle injury. So they're going to be working on that and have every faith healer in Jacksonville praying over that ankle all week long. But um, if he can run – it just shortens the game, and it minimizes the opportunity for the other guys. And it, it sounds funny, and I hate saying it about Blake Bortles. I'm not going to go full Chris Sims and say he's the worst quarterback in the NFL and just trash him, you know, because he is in an AFC championship game. But, you know, I mentioned during or early in the play or before the playoff started, this Jaguars defense might be good enough to turn Blake Bortles into Trent Dilfer. He he might just become so irrelevant that they can get to a Super Bowl and maybe win it without a quarterback Nobody's at all. better
1: than Belichick though, game planning. And I thought Pittsburgh was gonna do it and they didn't really do it. That's not their style of defense. But what reason do they have to not play zero coverage, stop Leonard Fournette and say, Hey big boy Blake Bortles, yeah. go beat us. Because then you might
2: get Case keenum And he's been But he, if you get Case Keenum that that's what happens. Right. I mean he he has done enough. He has played better this year. And he is a whipping boy and takes more stick than he ever deserved. And there was a time when people thought Chad Henney was going to take the job outright but you know, he has been able to pull it off. He's been able to kind of sustain. And I don't know. I just think there's enough of a threat. He can go over the top occasionally. And that's been the impressive thing about them, too, is they've been playing shorthanded offensively all year. They've had receivers hurt all season long. They weren't counting on Marquise Lee being their leading receiver this year with guys hurt. So it's been uh, interesting to watch him progress, but. With the Patriots' defense being what it is, I don't know how well they can sell out and just devote all their resources to stopping Leonard Fournette because they've got problems of their own in the back. And all it takes, you know, mentioning Minnesota, all it takes is one play over the top. And and Bortles may be capable of making one play over the top. And for the Patriots, this
0: probably has to be in that 45-42 range. If it's more like the Falcons, game, then just – and I'm just saying that because – the, the Patriots offense has to continue to score, 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 score sure. and force, force the Jaguars to keep up.
2: Yeah, I think that's the that's got to be the plan because as excited as Jacksonville was about scoring 45, they don't want to get in that game every week. Right. I mean, they don't trust themselves to get in that game every week. And I, I think Coughlin was probably cringing the whole time watching that because, you know, he's old school. He would much rather be playing games in the 20s. And they're built to – they're built to play games. And frankly, Pittsburgh scored 42 points, but a lot of those were garbage time chasing, you know, points that might not have been surrendered in an ordinary circumstance.
0: We've alluded a lot to Buffalo Wright 7 heaven, which is probably the uh, new uh, the new Spider 2 wide banana. But what a what a, I mean the NFL that that has to be the game that they needed just because of all the stuff this year about how the ratings are down right. interest is down and that game had everything you needed. Sure,
2: it had superstar the real four quarterback. games had what you needed. I mean, listen, Drew Brees had you know an Irish novel in a game yesterday he was the <laughs> he was the faltering hero yeah. who couldn't do anything right for the first half and he goes in at halftime and all of a sudden he looks like Drew Brees again and here's his 39 year old free agent quarterback and all of a sudden he looks like Tom Brady and i mean he's always been almost Tom Brady but he was just phenomenal in the second half and led those guys back from a 17-0 deficit You know, and goes on and on and on and made the plays he needed to make. I mean, Drew Brees in the second half was brilliant. Um, I didn't know if they would have won that game and had to go to Philadelphia, how it holds up outside because you saw it a couple times in that game. You know, Ted Ginn's favorite play is go fetch, go run in a straight line. I'm going to throw it as far. Yeah, I mean, that's his play. Drew Brees doesn't have enough arm to capitalize on that anymore. And you saw that early in the first half. It was just, it looked like a balloon up there for a second. It's like, it's going to land soon. (laughs) I know it. Here it comes. Okay, Ted. But Panther fans were frustrated
0: because Ted Ginn was catching just about everything. I know. Who was that guy? <laughs> Where would he get those
2: hands? Yeah, I mean, he must have had a hand transplant in New Orleans. <laughs> it's, uh, he got one of those voodoo women to work on it or something. <laughs> but Ted is, uh, I mean, Ted's a unique player. And Drew, maybe the nicest thing you can say about the guy is he made Ted Ginn look like a receiver in a city other than Charlotte. And that's yeah. heretofore unseen. I mean, he was a disaster in Arizona, Miami. He just didn't look like he could play wide receiver in the NFL. He and Cam had that thing going because Cam does have enough arm to play go-fetch with Ted. And, you know, it worked there. And that's why I thought Breeze was going to be an interesting dynamic for him. But it worked. They played a fantastic game. but No, they played a fantastic half. They played a fantastic half, yeah. And then they got Delomed. I mean, Case Keenum <laughs> is Jake Delome. Up one side and down the other. The story, undrafted, nobody wanted him. Everybody took him for granted. Didn't think he would ever amount to anything until he actually got into a game, and it's like, whoa, this guy can play. And he keeps making plays, and he's willing to throw balls. You know, maybe it's because of the background, and maybe it's because of, hey, what do I got to lose? He plays with a certain risky style, and he's willing to throw those jump balls up. I mean, the – Throwing over the top so Adam Thielen has to fling himself in the air and risk life and limb to catch it was Jake DeLonge to Steve Smith. That An entire career was built off that play. So watching watching Keenum do that, I mean, it's just a YOLO style of football. I mean, what the heck? Sam Bradford standing there, 5-3 three, three interceptions. They may bench me anyway. What the heck? Let's go. And, it, and it's made those guys fun to watch. Darren Gant, Pro Football Talk, joining us here on the Bearded Car Cast.
0: I tweeted out last night. We saw the legend of Case Keenum born last night. But you know, you could say the other three quarterbacks that are going to be in the championship games—they're all playing with house are money. Are
1: you not skeptical? Case Keenum made the worst yeah. pass of the weekend. He tried to give the game away. Now the game winning pass. He did it before had, that too. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The game winning pass. He had no choice. You had to throw it to the one guy deep enough that if he catches it and goes out of bounds, you get in field. Right. So he gets credit for throwing a pass and a, Safety falling down or right. doing whatever that dude did. But but <laughs> he, but, but you're in a position where if you don't screw up, Bless you're almost surely going to win the game mm-hmm. and he throws that crippling INT. I don't think the story on Case Keenum should be he's led his team to the NFC championship game. I think the team is going to the NFC yeah, championship despite. game and
2: Case Keenum also happens to be on the roster. Yeah. But again, I you know, how much of that because you're in Charlotte and when I was at the paper at the time doing nothing but Panthers, that was the Jake DeLome. I mean, everybody said all those exact same things about Jake, and then you end up in a Super Bowl, and then you end up in an NFC championship game two years later. So there's something to it. And Case Keenum's going to get paid. I mean, he's either going to get franchised or paid by Minnesota, but the way they handle their quarterback situation this offseason is going to be as fascinating to me as anything because Keenum, Bradford, Bridgewater, all free agents – so, what are you do you going to Scott Mitchell was a free agent, too. <laughs> so, it was Jake DeLome. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I think any of those three quarterbacks had the possibility of turning into a pumpkin next Sunday and, and just being the absolute reason their team loses. And if it happens, we're not going to necessarily be surprised with any of the three of them. Sounds like karma's enjoying the conversation. Yeah, they, everybody's fired up for the car cast.
0: It's the Bearded Carcast from
1: Mike Pacheco's house in South Charlotte. <laughs> Not on the road today. We will be back on the road next week. If you want to be a part of the show, send us an email, Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com or on Twitter, hashtag Bearded Carcast. Thanks a lot for listening. We're joined by Darren Gann from Pro Football Talk. We talked quite a bit about the first game coming up. Over the weekend, the Patriots and Jacksonville. The back end is Philadelphia and Minnesota. And we talked about the Vikings. What about this Philly team? They feel a little bit to me like Atlanta. Everyone was so excited after Atlanta won a playoff Mm -hmm. game, and now people think, oh, well, maybe Nick Foles
2: is okay. Is Nick Foles okay? Um, He might be okay enough to beat Case Keenum. I mean, that's the thing. The thing I like about the Eagles this year is, they, did, they built that team right around Carson Wentz in that second-year quarterback, you think he's got promise. Let's put pieces around him. Let's go get Alshon Jeffrey. Let's go get Tory Smith. Let's go invest in defense. Let's go bring in a Chris Long. And the line was really yeah. good before. A, and the defense is good, and they're playing at a high level, and they're also incredibly interesting. That's a fun team, and. And they've got a lot of stories. Guys doing a lot of great things. I mean, Chris Long's one of the outstanding human beings in the NFL. So seeing him have this success this year has been kind of neat. And they're still making plays. They can wreck you defensively with a couple guys. Fletcher Cox is just one of those oddball guys that if he's having his game, he can impact it in about nine different ways. And is it more important in this game for
1: Kenner Falls to make plays or not? make plays. I think not
2: make plays. I mean, if you saw the beginning of the Eagles game, I mean, they were really game planning to keep Nick Foles from screwing it all up. And he almost did. And it was kind of, it was a nervy start and I think they're going to play that way early on this week. But winning that game like that the way they did, now it's like, whoa, we can do this with Nick. And and I do think those guys are pretty confident because if, they wouldn't have been the one seed without Carson Wentz. But they won it the same way they're going to beat the Vikings if they beat the Vikings on Sunday. I mean, it's going to be clutch and grab, and it's going to be close, and it's going to be based on defense making plays.
1: And the over-under is 38. <sighs> is there any reason to believe they are going to be points scored unless the defenses score them?
2: Uh, that would be the only possibility, I would think. But that's also why I don't invest in those markets. I'm not a reliable indicator on that. But it it certainly points to being a low-scoring game and being the 20-17 to 17, which team is more likely to get a running game going against a defense that knows they want to dare the quarterback to make a play? Maybe neither one of them. I mean, they—they they honestly, I, I did like the way the Eagles at times were willing to say, "All right, here we come. We're going to hand it to big old Legarrette Blunt and we're yeah. going to do, we're going to do the old school football and get behind Lane Johnson, who's probably their best football player offensively, and run behind him." And they did that to good success the other night and it would yeah I like their chances of doing that better than I like Latavius Murray primarily because the Vikings are a little beat up on the offensive line Mike Rimmers our old friend from Charlotte Rimmers was starting at left guard and you know Rimmers versus Fletcher Cox is not a good matchup and I just I don't know I kind of lean Philadelphia Uh, in terms of running, I don't know that I necessarily lean that way in terms of winning the game, but I think they've got a better chance to run a little bit. But if
1: they have a better chance to run, don't they necessarily
2: have a better chance to win the game since we don't like either quarterback? (laughs) I think Nick Foles is more likely to screw it all up than Case Keenum's likely to screw it all up. And Case Keenum's willing to take a chance, like I said, but I think Foles, even in trying to be careful, that possibility still exists. I mean, it, it was like an Andy Reid called game coming down the stretch. It's like you protect your quarterback, and oh my God, don't let him screw it all up. Oh God, he screwed it all up. Darren Gant
0: joining us from ProFootballTalk.com here on the Bearded Carcast. You can follow along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast, hashtag Bearded Carcast. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. BeardedCarcast at Outlook.com.
1: Where should we eat in Lynchburg?
0: That is a good. Well, we kind of have a back uh, well, backup. We,
1: I like the colonial yeah. restaurant, but I believe the last time I was there, it was under new management. So we're willing to listen to oh, options. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, that's that could be a problem. We're going to Lynchburg we're, next week. Going to Lynchburg. So at bearded carcast on Twitter, bearded carcast. At Outlook.com, we're glad Darren's joining. Us. Darren, this is not a uh, a one-off for you. You're you're going to come in the car with sure, us as well. This sure, sure. This is
2: just uh, by happenstance of schedule. Is it because of the
1: incredible pay?
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you get an offer like this, you just can't turn it down. Well, and you've got um, a beard. That's exactly. That's fits. what it took. I, I decided back in November to do this to join this car, the bearded car
1: cast. Right. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. And it's worked. Is out. it a playoff beard?
2: You know, I didn't even know it was a beard for a while. I just kind of <laughs> stopped shaving in November with a lot of other people, and then it wasn't horrible. Not at the shaving end. is great. It's yeah. freeing, isn't it? it? It really is liberating. And, and I got to the end of November, and when I saw my mother at Thanksgiving, she was like, why are you not shaving? You're going to shave before Christmas, right? And then I kind of got the middle of December, and I was like, kind of like being bearded. When I'm out on the greenway, small children see this gentle woodland creature rambling yeah. through. They high-five me. It's Says like the guy I'm that went to college and boom Yeah, I'm like a Bigfoot out <laughs> there in the woods. So. You guys have something else in common. You both
0: like leftovers. Uh, th- my favorite Darren story from this year was uh, two weeks after Thanksgiving, I was on F&Z
2: with Kroger. And you brought up the story of the uh, the pumpkin pie that was out for two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's probably a result of growing up during the depression. And where <laughs> I grew up, it was the depression until about 1988. Um, I just, I don't know. I never. Considered refrigerating a pumpkin pie, but I am very meticulous about my leftovers. And leftovers get repurposed. After a couple of days, they become soup or casserole yeah, or stir fry. You know, the, everything gets used. Yeah. We, like the Indians of the plains, we use the entire buffalo at the Gant house. So. Mike
1: Malarkey is now a leftover. He's available to be applied by is. anybody.
2: He really is. What a mess that is. I mean, I, I, I always thought it was kind of weird when you will let one game change the way you think about a coach. And it's obvious the Titans wanted to make a change and wanted to get Mike Malarkey out, out of there. And he screwed it all up by beating the Chiefs. And he, and he messed up the entire timeline. And it took him out of interviewing guys when they could have. I mean, now they're in a spot, if I understand the rules correctly, where other teams could have made requests and talked to the playoff assistants who were in bye weeks and stuff in the week between they can't do that now. So they're if they want to interview Josh McDaniels, they gotta wait till the Patriots are finished. But John Fox is available. John Fox is available and I and I fear that our friend John Fox may remain available. This might this might have been the last it's one. been a good run. It has. Um he is a nicer version of Jeff Fisher. I mean John John strived to steer it to the middle of the road in all things football and otherwise and you know, hanging around 500 is a gift in the NFL. I mean, his, you know, the thing John, checks yeah, that way. the thing John was great at was avoiding disaster. And, I mean, he presided over one when he checked out of the hotel here in 2010. But he's really done a good job, I think, of, you know, kind of making chicken salad over the course of his career. I think he's a better coach when he doesn't have good players. I didn't know how he was going to react to Peyton Manning in Denver because if I had a nickel for every time John Fox would walk off a of practice field muttering to me, I've won a lot of games and I've never had a quarterback better than Jake Delhomme or Ken Graham. It's like, come on, John. Eventually, yeah. it is your resume. Eventually, all these nine and sevens and seven and nines are what you are. Um, but I never know, knew how he was going to react to Peyton and they won a lot of games and it wasn't, you know, ultimately successful, but I think John's a good coach. He had a he had a good run.
1: You could do a lot worse. He's a professional.
2: You could do a lot worse is is the thing. And I think that's what people lose sight of because you could fans also do now, worse than
1: Mike Malarkey.
2: Yeah, probably. You could hire Hugh Jackson. And the fact that some people think Mike Malarkey might end up with Hugh Jackson yeah. in Cleveland, I mean that's kind of fits. I mean I think so many people in the NFL are so excited about making big changes, and oh, we got to blow everybody up. We got to fire this guy. It can always get worse, and people neglect that. And you know, and Jack Del Rio is available. Here's a guy whose resume is pretty good. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, Jack wears people out a little bit, and he uh, he's one of those guys who the interpersonal relationships with staff sometimes get Jack because he's been a guy who will throw an assistant under the bus. He's done that everywhere he's ever been. He did it in Jacksonville. Um, he did it in Oakland. I remember the one year he was in Charlotte, I remember sitting in his office, and Jack always was about trying to present himself as a leader. You yeah. know, And so here's this guy who's going to be defensive coordinator. And he was obviously on the way up. And while I'm in his office, he's like, and look at this painting of this general. And it was some Civil War general. I don't remember which one. But he starts telling stories about Civil War generals and leadership. And I'm like, dude, you're trying way too hard here. You're working to project. I am a great leader. So who should the Titans hire? Um, McDaniels, if they can get their hands on him. I mean, that would be... I would think that's the play. John Robinson's got the Patriots background. They've got a quarterback who you've got the potential All to build All those former around. Patriot
1: guys have done so well.
2: Um, yeah, but McDaniel, I think, has the opportunity, having you know, sort of washed out in Denver and it not worked, and then come back to work for Bill again. I think it kind of creates a little perspective and a little maturity uh, on his part. I mean, you've been the boy wonder. Yeah. You've washed out. Now you're coming back at it. With a little background, and okay, here's what I did wrong this time. Let's not do that again. We're sitting
0: here as we tape this. uh, It's on MLK Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Mm
2: -hmm. What is the state of the Rooney Rule? We saw in Oakland, it's a shambles. It's a joke. I don't think the league has any interest at all in enforcing it. If they did, they would find the crap out of the Raiders and take away draft picks. But they have shown no indication that they want to take it seriously. I mean, the Raiders, A, They violated it, obviously, because they hired John Gruden before they fired Jack Del Rio. So, in and of itself, it was violated. Then, to do their check-off-the-box interviews, they talked to Bobby Johnson, a tight ends coach who's never been a head coach at any level and has only been an assistant in the NFL for eight years. And nobody had ever heard of Bobby Johnson prior to that interview, probably. They interviewed him. They interviewed T. Martin. And T. Martin has never been a head coach at any level. Well, they didn't have to go far. It was was, in California. Yeah, I mean, it it was obviously a joke. And then they interviewed T. Martin for a receiver's coach position or something later. It's like, come on, guys, give me a break. You had already wiped your feet with the rule. I don't know how they can fix it because I don't think they're interested in fixing it. I mean, they can always say, well, Mark Davis wanted to get John Gruden. He was going to do whatever he was going to do to get John Gruden. But I just think there's such an opportunity for guys, you know, The I hate calling them out by name because I don't want to make it sound like these guys are tokens, but Keith Armstrong, the special teams coach from the Falcons, interviews every year. And he's kind of past the point of being considered for a lot of these jobs, I think. But I think Keith Armstrong's a good coach. I know by reputation a lot of people in the league think he's a good leader. You know, he's fighting, A, the minority candidate perception and also being a special teams coach. Right. I think that's an undervalued market. I think if you wanted to, you know, go in a different direction or was willing to take a chance, go hire Keith, Keith Armstrong. Go hire Dave Tube. And, you know, try to strike out and do something a little different All than we everybody We see a lot else. of
1: guys, Josh McDaniels is the perfect example of this, going to get a second chance. Does the guy in Denver – now has a second chance, right? He
2: he didn't yeah. get, fired. He didn't get yeah, fired. Yeah, Vance yeah. Joseph gets his second chance without having to move all his stuff. Um, that's an interesting spot, and I don't know. I I tend to put a lot more of that on John Elway because the great wizard of late-game comebacks and being a quarterback wasn't able to find a quarterback, and he made a mess of that position Going back two years. But there are
1: options now. Eli Manning should probably be available. Cousins is available. There's several guys in the draft, maybe as many as five or six that could be first, second-round draft picks. I think
2: it's interesting that he made a point of saying, when we're down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, we want to coach Mayfield. Yeah. I we we wanna we're gonna get a peek at him. There and that's their scouting time on Baker Mayfield. But they he, won't need to go to pro days. They won't need because so much of that is we wanna see what's in the guy's head. We wanna right. see how he practices, we wanna see ridiculous. how he interrupts. But in, in a close guys. to a game situation right. as they can.
1: It's not ridiculous that in a salary cap league where if you have an elite quarterback, you're paying him twenty or twenty five million dollars to try to get the Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. try to get the guy that's under contract, for them to decide We're going to try with Trevor Simeon. It didn't work. We're going to try with Paxton Lynch. It didn't work. We're going to try to go back with Brock Osweiler. It didn't work. Now we're going to draft a guy and we're going to allocate most of our salary cap elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, that's not a bad idea. It's
2: the best way. It's the best way to win in the NFL, and it's the reason the Seahawks were competitive for as long as they were because the quarterback on cheap rookie contract is the most valuable commodity. If he can play and he's in his first four years in the league, you can stack up pieces around him. I mean, when Russell Wilson was on his rookie deal, they go out and sign Michael Bennett. They go out and sign Cliff Averill. They go out and get all the parts around You know, they lock up Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and those guys and keep that great defense together and continue to add parts. But once you pay them, then you can't add parts anymore, and you see what happened to Seattle this year. When guys start getting hurt, it erodes, and all of a sudden your whole team falls off. That's why I think – and, I mean, it's one of my – they're never going to make me a GM of an NFL team. But if anybody ever got drunk and did (laughs) – one of my great strategies would be to never pay a quarterback right. a, a big free agent contract. Isn't that contract. what the Broncos were you, trying to you, do? You've got four years cheap. You've got four years $20 million, basically, if he's the first pick in the draft. Then you've got a fifth-year option. But you have then to get you, the
1: first pick in the then, draft.
2: Then you can tag him twice. Yep. So he's locked up for seven years. Paying the guy after seven years, now you well, you, and with
1: two years left in there, you
2: should be right. drafting another quarterback. Exactly, and you know what? It's a tough thing to sell, and I'd have to have a good relationship. The problem with, with my selling owner. It is you might have Trevor Simeon. Well, if you you have to plan on sucking for at least one year out of those seven, you got to anticipate. Okay, if the if this is the year my guy gets hurt and we stink okay, you've got to go through a year of Curtis Painter to get to Andrew Luck. You've got to go through a year of Jimmy Clausen to get to Cam Newton. But I think if you convince your fan base, hey, we're only going to suck one out of every seven years. Right, but you have to then draft the right, right. guy because is. Frequently,
1: as you get someone really good, you get a complete bust, and then you've killed yourself for another year
2: or And the two. Patriots thought well, they had that I, with Jimmy I Garoppolo. I don't count on missing. That's the right, difference right. Why between would you me miss? and other GMs. I, I've got confidence in my staff that we're going to make the right decision.
0: Bearded CarCast, I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman alongside. Glad to be joined by Darren Gant from ProFootballTalk.com. You can read him, uh, of course, on ProFootballTalk and follow him on Twitter, at Darren Gant. A very enjoyable Twitter follow. In fact, you can follow us on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. I am at Mike Pacheco 81 at Friedman underscore David. Always email the show CarCast at outlook.com. And Darren, uh, we haven't talked a lot about the, the Panthers, but there's some Panthers stuff. Obviously, Steve right. Wilkes, a, a potential candidate for, for some of these jobs that we've talked about. And of course, Norv Herner, just Norv Herner. Norv Turner just hired as the new offensive coordinator. No respect for Norv Herner
2: uh, out no, he there, gets done. Uh, but he's part of—he was part of the Marty Herney yeah. idea, the Marty Herney philosophy. So I can understand that one. That one—that uh, one works. I like—I'm the weirdo that thinks Norv is a great idea. I—I I think he's got—and again, you guys know—you've heard me talk about the Dan Hennings of the world are better for some situations than the quote-unquote bright young offensive mind. People want creative. Well, that's the difference between a dog that digs up the whole yard and the dog that knows where the bone's buried. I mean, young and creative work sometimes, but old things last in the NFL not because of an old boy network, but because they work. Right. The North Turner offense works. Look at what he did with Troy Eggman. Look at what he did with Phillip Rivers. He's had good results everywhere he's been – Up until having a little – I mean, that was personality conflict with him and Mike Zimmer. That was uh, two alphas in the same room, and finally Norv just walked off. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to push Cam Newton into some uncomfortable places, but I think that's something they need to do too. And I think Cam's got to understand that part of this is on him. Yes, he's talented. Yes, he's MVP-level quarterback. Yes, he's the franchise, but until he realizes that he's got to get better and he's got to take ownership in this, I don't know how much progress they can make. Um, they're already in a pretty good spot. I think they've got to do some things to freshen up that offense. I could see if one of those Georgia running backs is sitting yeah. on the board at 24, That I like that because – you got Didn't a, they just draft two running backs in the last draft? Uh, Curtis Samuel isn't really a running back. He's Percy Harvin, um, and the other guy may just be De- Darren Sprawls. I mean, but a- it's one of the, it's one of the most valuable
1: positions in the draft, and now you're going to spend a first-round draft pick on a running
2: back Unless again. He, yeah, tell that to Jacksonville Jaguars. Leonard Fournette was a pretty valuable draft pick this year. and I, think I mean, Todd Gurley was a pretty good draft pick two years ago. Yeah, I think Jonathan Stewart has been that guy for a long time, but Jonathan doesn't look like he's got all that much tread left on the tires. So, if Norv is your guy and you're committing to that offense, you're going to need a bell cow. But yeah. you believe the biggest need for the Panthers is running back. I think it's pretty close to the top of the list, and I think – you know and again I'm it's recency bias there's a lot of backs in this year's draft that are going to be drafted really highly um but watching those two Georgia kids in the playoffs it was just like when i watch Sony Michelle it's like my god that's a short steven davis he yeah. runs so violently he's so explosive he's so big play fast he's a big back who can run away from people and having one of those guys to pair with McCaffrey and and again, I'm thinking c- of the marketing
0: opportunities. Christian McCaffrey, camp Sony Cam, <laughs> Cam Sony, you know, <laughs>
2: <laughs> like that. Um, but I think you know that's going to be a priority. Obviously, depending on what happens with Julius, if he wants to come back, I mean, they need to find a a, no, a new Julius. Not that you're going to find another Hall of Fame defensive end, but they've got to find pass rusher. They could probably stand to get younger and better at safety, corner. Yeah, although I think you can live. I, Bradbury, I think is pretty good. I mean, he's better at he's the same job, point yeah. than Josh Norman was.
1: And so, if you're a Panther fan, I don't know fan, that he'll
2: ever become Josh Norman, but he is progressing faster than Josh did.
1: If you're a Panther fan, there are a lot of moving parts. You've got a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. You're about to have new ownership. Mm-hmm. You may or may You've not have a new Hi. defensive coordinator. You have an interim general manager. What's your expectation?
2: I think it's going to look very on the field in 2018 is going to look very familiar because a sale is going to take months from now. It's like moving a battleship. It's not it's right. not a swift win. Will you
1: be a piece of it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> You'll have to talk to my people about that. Well, <laughs> uh, Darren's financial guy. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna decline comment on that. At I this assume point. that I'm if you're invest. a piece of it, Marty um, keeps his job. No, I and I think Marty's probably gonna keep the job one way or another. Keep yeah. the job for a year or keep the job going forward. Depends on who buys. Now, if an Eddie DeBartolo is part of the group, he's clearly gonna have somebody in mind. But I just think we're too far down the road of building for 2018. I think people are. Sure. making a mistake if they think there's going to be a change in coach and GM for the 18 season. That stuff will all happen in 19 or beyond. And, you know, I've thought since the, since he came in and some of the moves he made and just his reaction, and I've talked to him a couple of times since he took the job, he enjoys it now. And Marty is, is different than when he did the job the first time. And I think he's got a different perspective on a couple of things that helps. Um but they are going to have to go through a Rooney rule process as well. Part of his mandate when he came in as interim was identify candidates. They're going to have to interview somebody. and It might be tricky getting somebody to come in and interview, but I think that they're going to sell a team to someone with a coach and a GM in place and under contract for a few years down the road. But couldn't you see also a situation where Marty is kind of bumped up, if you will, and maybe there's someone that works under him? Yeah, he's going to be the team president. He's going to put on a blue blazer like Danny Morrison and go to ribbon cuttings. and <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect for him. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, it's some GM emeritus or make up some title. I don't know. Possibly. Um, he would probably, I think in a perfect situation, he finds him another Brandon Bean. He finds another young guy right. to – Promote along and and teach and allow him to apprentice. They would like to have that kind of guy around. Um, in what
1: way does new ownership make a difference?
2: Um, well, it can change. Direction. It can change your direction in terms of how aggressive you are in free agency, how patient you are with coaches. Um, Jerry Richardson has always taken credit and enjoys being viewed as a guy who is stable and consistent and values his people. And there are people in that building who at different times have gone with the belief that I am going to be taken care of for X number of years once he's not running the team. Now they all thought that was going to be when he died, but um, he has always valued that as his legacy. He wants to be the guy who takes care of his own people. And, That's led to some consistency. Will another owner come in and be a little quicker on the trigger? You know, maybe. Would that have meant Mike Shula had gotten the door two or three years earlier? Or maybe Ron. Or maybe Ron, sure. I mean, I I think ownership can definitely change that kind of stuff, but – Again, I would caution you. I mean, in the it can always league, get though, worse. The isn't Browns everyone
1: spending about the same.
2: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it's, it's how aggressive you're spending. How aggressive you want to be in spending it? You can always do bookkeeping tricks and find money if you want to go out and be like Dan Snyder and you know win in February, win in March during free agency. But um, you know, I got to remind people again, it can always get worse. The Browns thought. When Randy Lerner left town after Tony Grossi called him the world's most irrelevant billionaire, poor Tony, Um, (laughs) you know, people were all fired up. And, hey, we've got this new guy coming in, and he used to be part of the Steelers ownership group. He obviously knows what he's doing. Whoops. (laughs) Then you get Jimmy Haslam, and you're 1-31 and keeping the coach around. So, I. 192 and 192 and 1 as the 23 year record of Jerry Richardson. He's the perfect employee of the league. He's the perfect member of the club he always wanted to be a part of. That's why the shield's in the middle of the field. And he is, um, he steered it to the middle and he hit it. Dead, solid, perfect.
1: Before we let you go these big-picture items in the NFL, whether it be concussions or ratings are down, all of these things that people think spell the end or this this horrible decline in the league, is that overplayed or is that legitimate?
2: Um, I think people who are calling for the demise of the NFL are probably premature. I, I don't think, I mean, as I look at the numbers, I don't know that the declines in ratings are any... Are vastly different from the declines in ratings of scripted shows. You know, every yeah. the ratings for everything are lower now than they used to be, and that's with cord cutting. That's with market segmentation, et cetera, et cetera. But also,
0: there's better accountability on how you how you meter right. the stuff.
2: Right, and, and that's all part of it. Football's still a good draw, and people still like football. And if you know, you can have a high-profile team on primetime tv like the Steelers when the Ryan Chazier injury happens and there's no massive drop off after that then you gotta say you know okay the the product is pretty stable the product's good people still watch Steelers games even though you know something like Ryan Chazier can happen at any moment what's the canary in the coal mine for the NFL I don't know, short of somebody dying on the field, I don't know if there's anything that can derail the product. I mean, and, and again, you, you know you go into any games knowing somebody could get maimed at any point. And, again, the Shazier thing was dramatic, and it's interesting to me. This man clearly cannot walk. Yeah. He's in in a wheelchair at practice tweeting out Instagram pictures of himself in a wheelchair, and it's being portrayed as, hey, wow, look at this great inspirational thing. Our guy's here in his wheelchair to pump everybody up. And the message isn't, our guy's here in a wheelchair. Holy crap, that could be any one of us at any given moment. And I think that's a tough thing for the NFL, and that's – I think a lot of people are at 345 park, hold their breath about stuff like that. But to message Ryan Chazier as this inspirational figure, instead of a cautionary tale is just, it blows my mind that that's the way that thing's gone. That's really dark here on the car cast. It's a good way to end the show. (laughs) Let's send every, it's a good thing. We're not in a car. We would just drive into a bridge abutment after that segment. Holy cow. (laughs)
1: And on that bright note, we close up another edition of the Bearded Carcast. Great to have Darren Gant
0: Always good to have our good friend Darren Gant Started with a good meal, a Hawthorne's Pizza. We went by, and uh, you picked that up. I'm not gonna take credit for that. Well, it's your place. It's my place. You know, we were, had to be hospitable to our to our good friend Darren Gant But you can get involved in the Bearded Carcast. Hashtag Bearded Carcast at Bearded Carcast on Twitter, and email the show Bearded at outlook.com.